Like if there's an old black lady standing up, oh yeah, and you sitting down, right? Like I'm not comfortable even with any woman standing up while I'm sitting. Down. Mm-hmm. So there's a level of just comfortable. So um, let me say last one. Last you're talking one about humility too. I think yeah. it's humility yeah. is a big. I wrote a book called How to Be Humble Like Me. Here's what I say with that. Yo, welcome. I'm pumped and excited, man. We doubled this thing up. It's so good. It's like Juneteenth and the ifs, like the 20 ifs. Because you can't go from the teams to the, you got to go jump to the ifs. You do. Yeah. I guess some people think that way. Yeah, well, some people do. Some people just thinking, okay. Yeah, part one was great. Yeah, that was fun, man. So we decided we're going to do it again. We're going to split this thing up because there's so much goodness there. So you might be asking yourself, what can you learn from three brothers as they talk about being black in America. That was that's too much. It's not being black. <laughs> <laughs> it is not being anyway, let me just say, first of all, welcome to Funny How Life Works, where we use funny to teach you how life works. And today we got a brother on here who is gonna break down the details of exactly what Juneteenth represents and then even how some how white people and black people and everybody in between and on the side should should respond or at least give you a little more insight on it. It's going to be pretty dope. How are you going to learn from this? You're about to find out. Okay. I love this podcast. You'll be laughing out loud and all of a sudden, boom, something that can really help you drops in your lap. I like it because I unexpectedly learn about life. It is so funny. I get to laugh and learn about life at the same time. I like listening to Funny How Life Works with the car of my parents. <laughs> with the car in my parents okay yo everybody i hope you're enjoying the podcast don't forget to go to michaeljr.com slash extra and i'm gonna give you a free download of my comedy special michaeljr.com slash extra so you can laugh with your whole family and even watch it and enjoy it anyway just go there right now and get the, well finish watching the podcast other than that i appreciate you for real i'm out Yo, Pacal. Hey, you're what's here. up? How you doing, man? I'm well. How's Scent Church? It's doing great, man. You, you still sent there? I am. They just don't let me change clothes. Tell us about one of your favorite speakers as of recently. Oh, let's see. It's the week after <laughs> Easter. Yeah. And I went to speak at our new Flower Mound campus. Yes, you went to Flower Mound. And Who I was left speaking at the main to campus? speak at the Plano campus. Oh, yeah, you spoke. Yeah. Yeah, from <laughs> Acts chapter 8. Acts 8. Man, you, you had, like, we were walking through the book of Acts this year. You had the perfect passage. But something you talk about in comedy all the time. I know, it lined up like perfectly. Yeah, that your setbacks might be your setup so you can deliver your punchline. Yeah, that was great. It was beginning of Acts chapter 8 when the church got set back, persecuted, but yet the gospel spread. You did a good job, man. Something like 50 people stood up at the end of the message saying that it was either their day to start a relationship with Jesus or to make a significant change in their life. That's dope, man. And we baptized some of them like a couple weeks later. Yeah. It was good. I remember when I got uh, baptized, I was afraid. I actually had a life preserver on because I <laughs> didn't. <laughs> wow. That's just, I didn't know for sure if he was going to bring me back up. I didn't know for sure. So They hold people down longer when they have more sin in their life. <laughs> <laughs> you should be talking like this, Dan. <laughs> Watch what you say. Hey, Watch it. Hey, go ahead and subscribe. By all means, please subscribe to the podcast. We got a gift for you. We're going to give to you at the end of this thing, too. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a gift. It's and a nice surprise. They should listen to the whole episode. Leave me. a comment, too. Mm-hmm. Leave a comment. That's going to be great. And then a non-sponsor sponsor is... Metro Relief. 
Mm. <laughs> metro, you know, metro relief. relief. Yeah, Tell man. them about Metro Relief. Metro Relief helps people move from homelessness to getting back on their feet to housing. They try and get people back home. They're here in the, the North Texas area, but they have people coming from all over the country getting trained to learn from them how to really effectively minister to the homeless people in their cities. One of their core efforts in this area is they take a bus out into areas where there are homeless people and homeless camps. And they not only serve soup and distribute some supplies, but they also just build relationships oh, to try and help dope. people move forward. Hey, hey, you, you grew up in Detroit. I did. You remember RoboCop? I do. <laughs> I did see. I do. Yesterday, me and Mac was talking. I was thinking about it would be cool to do a RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of dope. RoboCop. He didn't make the force, but he still is a force. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, everybody leave a voicemail, too. We're going to be reading, listening to voicemails live on air. So leave a voicemail. The phone number is 214-308-1177. 214-308-1177. If you're listening to it, it'll be on your screen. Do you remember that song, 777-9311? I do remember that. That was Prince, wasn't it? Seven, 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 ninety-three, eleven. I don't know the rest of. I this can't say the rest song. of the words. I don't even know them. <laughs> I want to spend the night with you if that's all right. That's For real? <laughs> wow, that, that never got in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it got into yours. Wow, that's my wife's phone number. Wow. <laughs> so, um, don't forget, we're gonna give you something at the end of this thing too. It's gonna yeah. be pretty dope. Yep. Um, so go ahead and introduce our guest, man. Our guest uh, set us up Great last week. Dude. Yeah, he was good. Really smart. He's really talking about race. Well, they're going to find out what he's talking about. Okay. Well, he's spoken in TED Talks. Get and the he's dog on TEDx Talk. From Tulsa, Oklahoma. From Tulsa. Give it up for Cortland Warren. Yeah, let's jump back in, dude. So let's do this. So go ahead. You, you well, there's like, if you, if it, it, like to your point, like, you know, there's money to be made of, on both sides, but let's be real. There's less money on the Juneteenth stage in the neighborhood back at home because they want you to come in and speak, you know, just for free, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 100%. Wow. Absolutely. Right. Hey, man, you're going to do this for our people, right? Hey, man, like, you know, remember when, right? Come back to the Juneteenth. Yeah. You forgot where you came from. No, I didn't. Then, I left. Then, but then if I go corporate, right, then it's right. like, okay, we want, you know, we want this black man or black person to come in that isn't going to get everyone so riled up and, uh, you know, be so offensive. And uh, so it, there is, you know, there is, it's a dance, right? It's a dance. Yeah. It's like, you know, which, you know, which side do you, you know, do you take and how do you do it without being, you know, how do I do it without being viewed as, you know, a sellout or not, you know, keeping it real. Right. Uh, right. And then on the other end, it's like, you know, but when we talk about like, what is it, what does it mean to truly represent, you know, like represent the culture, you mm -hmm. know, and, mm -hmm. and being woke as they say, right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's really about like, I, me personally, I'm like, I'm over it when, with the whole marching, carrying signs yeah. and, you know, yeah. being on the courthouse steps when the courthouse is closed that like no one cares that you're marching on the weekend like they're, they're not in there ain't nobody they're there they're like watching it on tv right right and so it's you know for me it's like economic empowerment and mm. you know what are the you know what are the things that we can implement and uh, as a result like execute uh, that's what i'm i'm passionate about and i feel the same like i you know i, I was listening in i was reading 
uh, about what you've done. And I, and I've wanted to, you know, I was like, man, I wonder how he does it. You know, I wonder how he does it because, you know, we're, you know, one of the things that we get to, like we get to do is if we, if we're humorous, then we're less threatening. You know, oftentimes what happens to me is like, man, you're intense. I had a, uh, I had a person who happened to be white uh, in a class not long ago and I got really impassioned about a part and he's like, oh, you're like that. You're like that black preacher. Mm -hmm. He said it as though he was giving me a compliment. I looked at him, I said, you wouldn't have said that if I was Tony Robbins. Mm. You wouldn't have said that to me if I was anything other than black. So your frame of a (laughs) serious, intense conversation about, frankly, belief systems and conditioning Mm -hmm. and programming, Mm -hmm. your frame of reference for me is that he must, the only thing you can see me as is a black preacher. All right. So my dad was a preacher. So was my grandfather. A lot of people thought, you know, that was the route that I was going. So Mm -hmm. it's not, I'm not dismissing it. However, I wanted him to see that his Mm -hmm. desire to put me in a box or frame was consistent with what he saw as acceptable from that, from that, you know, from his viewpoint, this is acceptable, you know, so you can be funny, you can be like the preacher, you can be, you know, whatever else, Uh but don't teach, you know, economic development, don't teach prosperity principles, don't teach, right? right? Because now, now we got a problem. You know, what's interesting there too is, uh, so I was on a panel where we were talking about some, some of these same things and it was three black people on the panel and it was three white people on the panel and I just randomly, no, it was four and four. And, uh, we were talking about some of the, the racial divide, so to speak. And then, uh, I asked the question, even though I'm on a panel, because the topic was, because there's a lot of, uh, my pastor, Pastor Robert Morris, white dude, I had lunch with him yesterday, awesome dude, he did a teaching called Ignorant White People. Mm. Brilliant. Couple white people left the church. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> he said a couple. Um, <laughs> a few of them did. So, a couple hundred. Yeah, oh, quite a few walked. But he just, he just loves people in general. I mean, he did it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I asked this question. I said, um... I said, just to prove how you may have some biases that you're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. I said, I haven't talked to this panel about this, but raise your hand in here if you've ever been referred to as articulate. And then all four black people raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the white people, none of them raise their hand. And I know my listeners might be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? It's a compliment. <laughs> but you don't, you want to speak to that a little bit. Like you don't call somebody articulate unless there's an assumption prior to the comment. Yes. It's so good. I, I just had this conversation two weeks ago. Uh-huh. I, 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 Articulate I, what, you, what happened. No, I'm, 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 I'm in a class. I'm, <laughs> that was good. Right. So I'm in, a, I'm in a class, and this brother stands up, and he's, you know, he's talking, he's going, da-da-da. And so I was like, so just for fun, and his name was Matt. I said, just for fun, Matt. And we got, we got like over 100 people in the room. Uh, I said, just for fun, how many times have you spoken and someone said, how articulate you are. And the, and the room starts clapping. They start clapping. And oh, he was like, bro. He's like, yeah. bro, like seriously. I was like, I said, I'll be honest. I almost said, man, you are very well. And he was like, and I, and I said, but I caught myself. And so oh, we yeah. had this whole like little yeah. deal about how you're articulate or well-spoken isn't a compliment. It's only, again, it's, 
And this is what I give people. This is what I really work to get people to understand. But we have to do it in a way where they don't feel, you know, yeah. I, I, it's like shame to me being shamed. Yeah, I don't want that either. Uh, shame is not on the path to transformation. Right. You're not going to shame a person into transforming their life. Right. So <laughs> yes. he was like, yeah, it's not a compliment. Like people, it's not. The only reason why you think that it was a compliment is because your frame of me or people who look like exactly. me I don't speak well. It's it's complete. Well, only time it could possibly be a compliment is if you've also said that to another a person who's who isn't black. Like mm. if you've said that, like if that's just something that you notice in people in general, and it's part of your dialect. But there's that's no way fair. for us to know that. Right. That's but if, but otherwise, you showed up assuming that I was going to be talking like, "Yo, dog, so check it, homie," and because you understand. Now it's a little man. It's 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 two sides of it. And I listen. Um, at the risk of sounding like like some of my best friends are white. I'm just gonna throw it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> here's what I want to ask. So I went to you, this is great because you could tell me. I have this thing where I feel like. So I went to um, was it Memphis, where Martin Luther King was shot right the hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I the went L- there. Lorraine Motel. Lorraine Motel. Now I mm-hmm. know I'm. Some people are not gonna. You probably won't agree with this. And Kyle, you probably won't. Did we talk about this before? No, we never talked about this. I think it's just a little strange. Let me say it like this. That there is a a a place where we could go to remember where somebody was murdered. Mm-hmm. Because as I walk through it, and believe me, me and Martin Luther King got the same birthday, which don't make mean I love him any more than anybody else. I'm just saying, but... Yeah. Uh, what he did, and I mean, goodness, I mean, that's just, I mean, one of the most powerful, influential human beings who ever existed. But there's something that happens as I walk through there, and I'm getting mm-hmm. reminded of all of the hurt and all of the pain. And then I'm seeing, and I'm going through with some, because I, I did a show there, and then some of the people who hosted me went with me. And I could see the shame and the, on them amplify. It was white people. I could see mm-hmm. it. Like, if I wanted a scholarship to Harvard, they would have paid for it by the time we went I through the did. whole thing. They would have paid for it. And it just felt so heavy. And I don't know if that's the goal behind it, but I actually got out of there feeling heavy and hurt. And then you can go across the street and you can put your feet in the same footprints as the guy who shot him. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so I don't, like, I don't know how that helps. And I'm really kind of curious from anybody else's perspective, like, what is that? I'm not saying you demolish it and turn it into a mall or something, but I don't know. But then I also went to D.C. Mm -hmm. The monument was beautiful because they had all of his quotes all over the place and it was beautiful. But then when I think about the one in Memphis, what what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on it, I think the tension is okay. And what I mean is Martin Luther King Jr. spent a ton of time reminding us that the history we had walked through, if we didn't remember it we were bound to repeat it that's good and so to have that spot where you can remember so that we don't repeat i think that's the rationale behind it at the same time as christians we hear paul saying forgetting what was behind and straining toward what lies ahead pressing forward to win the yeah towards mark to win the prize right so we're these forward-thinking hope-filled optimistic people recognizing that to get stuck in the past either in grief or in shame, it doesn't, it doesn't do us much good because mm-hmm. we can miss out on the excitement and the urgency of the day. So I think like yeah, a lot of things, the hope is in the tension and the tension's okay. But to your point, yeah, if people just walk away from that feeling shame and not hopeful, 
then they yeah. maybe missed the full force of the experience. Yeah, there was a lady outside the hotel who was picketing. And she was picketing, and she had been there for 55 years or something crazy. And the reason she was picketing is because she used to live at the Lorraine Hotel. And they put her out to make this museum. And she's picketing. And she got her little bucket out there, and she's mad because they kicked her out. And I'm looking at her, and, she, and you know, she can give her money. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not, she's probably still out there today. And I'm thinking to myself, it's been 40 years or whatever. Like, why are you still out here? But the reason she was out there is because she was getting paid. Because at the end of that thing, the white people people came out there feeling so guilty. Mm -hmm. So now is she really, like, is she not perpetuating what we were trying not to? Like, it was really, the whole thing just felt super, super heavy to me, man. And I feel bad for, I should say I feel bad. It's about, because I have white friends, they don't know what to do. Like, they don't. They don't know what they should do. What do you tell white people when they're like, hey, uh, they don't know if they should apologize or or hug mm-hmm. you or give you some money or just or be like, well, get over it. Like, they don't know what to do. Like, what do, how do you handle that aspect of like? It's, that's, that's, a, um, that's a brilliant question. And it's one that is, uh, it's troubling, you know, for those who really do feel and connect with the, you know, the, the horrible nature with which, you know, black people have been treated in the, in the country. And what I do is I allow, I allow for, I allow for questions. And I think that's, that's the starting place is to allow for questions. And, you know, uh, it was once stated that the quality of your life is in the, can be found in the quality of the questions that you ask. That's good. And I, and I say that, you know, you can tell where you're headed based on the questions that you're asking. If you just got, if you just look at the word question and break it down, right? It's like mm. quest I'm on. So based on the, so if I'm asking, mm, you know, mm, how can I make a quick dollar? Yeah. Right. That's you know, good. if I, if I, how can I make a quick dollar that tells you where I'm leading, but how can, like, if they're asking, how can I help? How can I be of assistance? What can I do differently? Right. If, if that's the question that they're asking, then I feel like we, have a responsibility to give a response, right? For to the person who genuinely desires to be a part of the solution. But to uh, to a point made earlier, you know, feeling, you know, what we emotionalize, we get to repeat. Mm-hmm. Wherever we have, no. So if you're a person who, let's say, you have, you know, you, uh, your listeners are people who are, are high achieving and uh, they mm-hmm. accomplish goals and they, you know, go after, yeah. you know, big dreams, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you're a person who when things go well, you're like, oh man, that was no big deal. Like I say, my, you know, Michael Jr., man, that was a great show. That was a great, oh, no, oh, it was no, no big deal, man. It was, no, it, was, it was all right. You know, that's kind of what it's supposed to be. Right. But if you're a person who, so if you're a person who won't celebrate when things go well, but you hot, you get, uh, you highly emotionalize when things don't go right. So, you know, you become self-critical, you beat yourself up. You're like, man, uh-huh. how could I, what was I thinking? That was stupid. So whatever you emotionalize, you bring more of into your life. Yeah. So we want to get great. to the place where we start to celebrate our achievements. But in our culture, man, it's like we started to, to understand celebration and acknowledgement of ourselves as being somehow arrogant or egotistical mm-hmm. or there is there, there, there is no humility in not acknowledging the work and the effort that you put in to accomplish whatever the goal is. That, that is not humility. That's not that is not what it means to be humble. I can celebrate what has been accomplished while also remembering the work that I put in 
Mm. And uh, so as it relates to like this lady on the outside of the Lorraine Motel, you're out, she's out there for the benefit that she gets. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so, so good, dude. I, I got one you, thought just to share. This okay. could be. And then I'll go off the cuff. All right. This could be for another episode someday, too. One time I was in Washington, D.C., and I went on this. This, this is the guy, the way he presented it. It was a, it was a black owned business mm-hmm. that wanted to give us a black history tour of D.C. He's like, he wanted us to see it from black history perspective, right? Uh-huh. So my wife and I had our two sons. We went on the tour, and he was saying a lot of things that, you know, as you listen to him talk, you, I finally asked him, like, do, when you do this tour, like with white folks in the van, does it make them feel uncomfortable? Because he was a lot about black empowerment. And, yeah, yeah. And he was like, actually, no, you know who feels most uncomfortable when I talk the mm-hmm. way I talk? It's the black people who are on the van when white people are on the van. He said, because mm-hmm. as black people, we've been conditioned to make white people feel comfortable. And we start to get worried when they feel uncomfortable. And it was convicting because it was like, I think part of what you are describing is the the victory is found on either side when people get comfortable with their identity in Christ, right? Like it's not about trying to fit anybody's stereotypes. It's not about necessarily worrying about what others think about me. Mm-hmm. When I'm comfortable in my own skin, then I can function anywhere mm-hmm. and I can be at peace with that. But when I start to get overly concerned about other people's comfort based on my own biases or preconceived notions. Yeah, that's some tricky stuff right there. I've always thought about that's that. I, I think it is. Go ahead. That, no, I mean, that's real. I mean, like you're, you're talking like, but generationally we had to make sure mm-hmm. that they were comfortable right. because our survival depended on that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our, our being able to stay alive depended on that. You right. know, even like, you know, the whole, you know, walking through the church and you you get up and you're just going to the bathroom. You got to throw yeah, one, throw finger one finger up. up. Right? Yeah. That was a very non-threatening sign. Like, hey, I'm not about to do anything. Right. So uh, that's uh, Bruce Lipton is the guy. But uh, the study is of uh, epigenetics. And epigenetics is, you know, it means above the genes. And it's the study of how trauma and the beliefs and uh, the ways of thinking get passed on genera- generationally, like at the yeah, molecular absolutely. level. Mm-hmm. So when trauma is experienced, it gets passed on. And he's and he talked about this uh, general Bruce Lipton. He talks about how, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, the Jewish and the Nazi concentration camps. But what I appreciated about him as a white scientist, he said, you know, uh, so when a, he said, so when a when a black person watches television, and they see a black man being killed by police officers. It's what they feel, and sometimes it's anger and rage and sadness or whatever. Mm. He said, but it's important to understand that what they're feeling isn't necessarily about that event as much as it triggers right. the emotional traumas that have been passed on. Oh, great. And yeah, so it good. represents the things that have been there for so long. And so the level of compassion and empathy that must be understood, you know, it was like during the whole, like, you know, uh, black lives matter, you know, kind of speaking to, you know, being between both, I was getting calls, you know, what should we say about black? I was like, why y'all calling me? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I'm not the, you know, what should we do about racism in America? Don't call me. Call yeah. the people who are racist. Right. Don't call, like, I'm like, I'm good, right? So yeah. it is, but that that notion of they've got to be comfortable, right? Yeah, that's good. Is, it's, it's in our DNA, right? It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. in our DNA to make sure that we're non-threatening because survival depended on it. 
That's great. And I think to some level, though, it's also in our DNA to make sure people in general are just comfortable as well. So there's a balance between the two because we don't want to, even if there's a, like if there's an old black lady standing up and you sitting down. Right. Like I'm not comfortable even with any woman standing up while I'm sitting down. So there's a level of just comfortable. So. um, Let me say last one. You're talking about humility too. I think it's. Humility yeah. is a big. I wrote a book called How to Be Humble Like Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh Here's what I, I like say with that. that. That DNA piece, though, I feel like it be, it, it's held in tension with my Christian identity when I realized that, man, so many times God called people to say things that just inherently made other people uncomfortable. Like when I think about yeah. Jeremiah, he told him from day one, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Right. And then the very next thing is like, you know, don't be afraid because I'm going to give you the words to say, but don't be afraid of them because they're going to oppose you. You're going to tear some things down. You're going to build some things up, but I am with you and I will rescue you. Rescue right. me from what? Yeah. I, need to, yeah. I need a rescue. Right. And then when Jesus said um, to some one of the disciples, he said, the, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He didn't say, but don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. He was like, you know, be of good character. Be a good cheer. You're going to survive. It's still happening. It's still going to happen. Yeah, it's still going to happen. Yo, so I'm going to go off the cuff. The off the cuff moment I want to go off the cuff on is when Cortland spoke about that little line between him being black and then him understanding and having to not necessarily choose a side, but choosing not to choose a side. Like he decided to really kind of walk in what he really believes and not try to pick any particular location just because it's most convenient. I actually find myself there often. And my default is I just really, really, really love people. So as long as I focus on loving people, then I find myself to be in a position where I can simply do that. Meaning if I'm around my white friends and they have questions, I don't have to. I don't have a pre-exposed position that I have to be in, no matter what, which allows me to just listen a lot more. Are you in a position where you're flexible enough to listen, no matter what's going on around you? Because no matter what, even if you're in the midst of a disagreement, if you would just allow yourself to open your ears, you may learn something that could reposition you in a way that you can accomplish something even greater in the future. So the number one, the greatest thing you can do for anybody you have conflict with or a great relationship with, simply listen. Listen and be open and you'll be amazed at what happened. It's funny how life works. Um, Okay, we got this thing we do on the show where uh, we have you spin a wheel and answer a question. So if you could hold your hand up like this, and just spin the wheel. We'll spin it again, and then we'll have. Wow, what a great okay. spin! <laughs> That's hilarious. Watching the prices, okay. right? And the question is: If you could instantly become an expert in a foreign language, what would it be, and why? Ooh, got to pick a language. Debonics. That's what. That's what white people speak. It's debonics. No, I'm just. I'm just. I mean, that up. Wow, I just made that up. That's not true. Um, if I could just instantly become an expert in any language, I would probably choose women. Chinese, I know Mandarin. I, I want to learn how Mandarin. To, I want to learn how to speak women. Why Mandarin? Because he liked the oranges. Because, because I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a golf fanatic, and all my clubs get shipped from there. And I'm trying to get. I'm trying to have, look. I'm trying, 
I'm trying to have some conversations to make my stuff a whole lot more, you know, better and, you know, state of the art. So if I could call and have a conversation to make it do this, that would be great. So that's why. Awesome. It all came down to golf. Yeah. That is dope. It's good. I got invited to the, um, well, no, I had access to the Masters recently. I have zero desire to go. Oh. Like zero desire to play play golf but i recently just got this is the second time i got access i ain't saying i'm a go because yeah. i don't know anything about golf i know they got greens but they're not collared oh my goodness <laughs> dude you are awesome thanks so much for doing the show man we appreciate you so much 